How's everybody this morning? It's a good day, huh? It's a good day. Expecting. That's what I like. Well, as she said, starting a new series today around the Easter season and time entitled Resurrected. Um, how many have seen the new, the new movie uh, Risen? How many have seen that movie? A few people? Yeah? Well, I haven't seen it, but I, I watched the trailer to it, and um, I, was, uh, I was really blessed just by the trailer. And, and what really struck me was that um, most movies that we've seen in the past surrounding Easter and resurrection have to do with everything leading up to the resurrection and the resurrection. Um, this movie was about the resurrection and beyond. And actually, that's where we live, right? We live, we live in the dispensation of time from the resurrection on. And uh, so, as I just, that just struck me, you know, um, in, in a good way. And as a result of that, God began to say some things to me, and that's what my Today and the next two following Sundays after that, leading up to um, and including Easter Sunday, are going to be about about <clears throat> the resurrection, but what the resurrection is to you and I, what it means to us, what what the resurrection is day to day. You know, because resurrection is not just one day, but it's that day and on, and every day that you and I have lived and will live, the resurrection needs to mean something to us, and, we, and, and it needs to be a part of us and everything that we do. And so today we're going to look at that, and I'm going to kind of build some foundation um, as I go through these next two or three Sundays. Um, And actually, we're going to read out of and spend most of our time in 1 Corinthians 15. Actually, over these next three Sundays, we will read every verse, which is 58 of them, in 1 Corinthians 15. So I encourage you, <clears throat> just in your own study time, to read 1 Corinthians 15 and, and look at what it's really talking about and, and what I feel like that these three messages are going to be are, a, are, are a, an, an explanation of what this passage talks about. It's very, m- most people that have ever read a number of these passages in 1 Corinthians 15 are confused. And um, we're going we're gonna to just reveal some things about what it talks about here. And, and we're going to look at some things that I believe that everybody has to be set free of to live in the life of God every day of your life that you are here on planet earth. God wants us every day to live in the life that he paid for for us. And, and to do that, we've got to understand what he's accomplished. So I want to look at verse 57 first. <clears throat> and let's all read it together. Verse 57 of 1 Corinthians 15. Ready? Read. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God. Everybody say, I'm thankful. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We have victory through Jesus Christ. We have victory through what Jesus has accomplished. We are victorious people. We're we're victorious Christians, but we're individual people. We're part of the church of Jesus Christ, but individually we're the church. We're we're, we're a part, but your part makes you that that whole. We are the church, I am the church, but my connection to the church is like with these two guys, and on and on and on. 
our connection makes up all the parts. But yet I'm the church, right? And, and thanks be to God who gives me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. What He's, what he's done, His resurrection has given me the victory. It's not, I'm not going to be victorious. I'm not going to experience the victory when I see manifestation. He's given me the victory. And I'm victorious today, right now. How many can say amen to that? We are victorious today. So, let's back up to verse 1. Because the victory that he's talking about is what the previous 56 verses tell us. And so, Actually, we're going to start with verse 3. And Paul, in writing this letter to the church at Corinth, says this, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, or Peter, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. And Paul's talking about on his road to Damascus experience where he saw Jesus. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly that they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Whether it was I or they, whoever, we preached and people believed. Verse 12. Now if Christ is preached that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? <clears throat> Anybody ever come in contact with someone that said, well, I'm, I'm just not sure about the resurrection or I'm not really sure about the virgin birth. Well, in Paul's day, there were people, there were Judaizers, there were the Jews who had followed Jesus and who had believed for a season, but then they doubted. And notice, in the first part of this passage here, he was seen by Peter, he was seen by 500. He was seen by James and this one and that one. So he was seen by all these people that he had risen from the dead. That there was no body in the grave. No physical body was in the grave. Peter saw him. James saw him. 500 people saw him. He wasn't in the grave. Right? But he said <clears throat> here in verse, uh, in, in verse 12, he said... Uh, now, if, if Christ is preached that He has been risen from the dead, or raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? Verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. So, if Christ hasn't risen, then you're wasting your time sitting here. True? Right. If He hasn't risen from the dead, then there's no reason for you and I to have faith or trust or confidence in a God that we can't even see if He's not risen from the dead. But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Christ who's been raised from the dead. Amen? He has been raised from the dead. They saw Him, and we take, we take the Bible as truth that they saw Him, and if they saw Him, then we believe. And they preached, and we preached, 
and people believe, right? And you and I have a responsibility to really believe that he was raised from the dead. I was, <clears throat> years ago, when we lived in the, in the Rio Grande Valley in McAllen, um, I had a couple guys come to my door. I mean, it seemed like I always had people coming to my door that wanted to talk about the Bible. And there's a lot of people that carry Bibles, but they don't believe everything in the Bible, right? And actually, there are people that carry Bibles that don't really believe that he was raised from the dead. They believe he was a good person, that he was a prophet, that he was all this. And I had these two guys, and they came to my door, and they wanted to talk to me. They said, do, do you read the Bible? And I said, yeah. And they said, are, are, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, we, we'd like to talk to you. And, and most of the time, if I tell them I'm a Christian, sometimes I wouldn't tell them that because I want them to come in so we could talk. You know, because if I tell them I'm a Christian, then they think, well, he's got a mindset so that they can't change me, you know. But these guys wanted to come in, and they were hot, too. I mean, when you live in the Rio Grande Valley, it's always 100 degrees. Even in the wintertime, it's 100. Just 100, just stays at 100, you know. And 100% humidity, you just pour sweat all the time. <clears throat> and... Um, these guys were hot. They were on their bikes, and they were hot. And they were telling people about Jesus and all this. So we, we sat and we talked for a while. And, and, uh, and uh, one of them brought up, so what do you believe about the virgin birth? And I said, what, what do you mean, what do I believe about it? And so he started telling me what he believed in regards to what people in the Bible said about the virgin birth. And so he was trying to talk me out of it, that it wasn't real. And the things that I'm talking to you about today and that I, that I want to get into here in a moment are real. Things that I'm going to talk to you about are real. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't, this isn't something that's just written in a book that we just kind of read through and forget about. This is real. And here are two guys that have dedicated their life to Jesus Christ and don't even believe in the virgin birth. Here are two guys that have dedicated their life to God, to Jesus Christ, and don't believe in the resurrection. Don't believe in the empty tomb. And I remember after about two hours of talking with these guys, and then they left, and we just agreed to disagree. You know, there's no reason to, you know, before that time, they're, they're, they need to be glad that I had gotten renewed in my mind because two guys from the same group that believed in, a few years earlier, I was at my sister's house in Houston, and I was chasing them down the road, yelling and screaming and hollering and trying to cast the devil out of them and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and... Uh, they just need to be glad that I had, had grown up a little bit, you know. Yeah, I'd matured and I was able to listen to them and have an open mind, you know. But not open in the fact that I'm going to change because if there is no resurrection, there is no Christianity. There's no Christian church. There's nothing to believe in. Faith is youth, useless, as it says right here. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is empty. It's useless. Look at verse 20. Let's, let's both say the first two words. But now. Say it with me again. Ready? Read it. But now. <clears throat> but now Christ is risen from the dead. When? Right now. Right now, Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's not the only one that is raised from the dead, but He is raised from the dead. He's the first of those who will be raised from the dead. Now, <clears throat> what I want to talk about today, on, in two more Sundays, we're going to really focus strongly on the resurrection. But today, I want to talk about um, I want to talk about a five-letter word. 
And it's the word death. And um, the Bible is very clear regarding death. And 1 Corinthians 15 is very clear regarding death. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, and you can go look at it. But it says, To die is gain. When, when, when we think of death, we think of what? Loss. Right? Somebody loses somebody and they come and say, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry for your loss. You know, for your loss. But death is gain. Why? Because of Jesus. Death is gain because of the resurrection. There's another scripture, and I don't have time to look at every verse of scripture today, but just remember these and go look them up yourself. But there's another scripture that says, Paul said, I die daily. I die daily. Most people that don't understand death from a biblical perspective don't understand spirit, soul, and body. They don't understand the three parts of a person. The day that I got born again, my spiritual body was saved, renewed, was birthed. My spiritual body, right? My soulish body, my mind, will, and emotions that make up my soul, that part of me is being renewed and saved all the time. My physical body will be born anew when I put on the new me. I've got a body coming that's a new body that is exactly the same kind of body that Jesus is in now. It's a resurrected, glorified body. And He said, we just read, He's the first of many. Right? So, I'm going to make this statement to you today, and I want you to catch this, because God intended for you to live. He intended for you and I to live life. But if you're afraid of death, you can't live in the life of God, because Death and the fear of death involves bondage and torment that riddles our human being's life day after day after day. And one statistic that I saw regarding death is that most people are riddled by it. Most people are troubled and ruled by death and think about death more than anything else. I don't know if you've ever looked these statistics up, but there's 7 billion people somewhere in that neighborhood on planet Earth today. And two people die every second. Two more, two more, two more. Well, by the end of this day, my calculations say that somewhere in the neighborhood of 170,000 people will die on planet Earth by the end of the day. What that translates out to is somewhere in the neighborhood of five million, one to two hundred thousand people every month, which equals about 61 million people every year that die on planet Earth. Two people every second. What's the birth rate? Double that. 
People say, well, man, if that many people are dying, there won't be anybody left. <laughs> Except double the people. So 100 and, 120 plus million people are being born every year. The life and the power of God always overshadows death. Always. Why? Because He destroyed death. And when you and I get rid of the fear of death, then He's promised us to live on this planet as long as we want to live. You and I have the ability inside of us. Why, why, do people, why are people after not dying? I mean, I mean if, if death is something that is natural in it and, and God created that, and, and that's the way it should be, that was in the beginning, if that's the way it was, then people wouldn't try to stay alive. Everybody's trying to stay alive. I am. Are you? Everybody's attempting to take the right stuff and exercise your body and do the things that we need to do to what? To stay alive. God, we, we, we want to stay alive because we weren't created to die. You and I were not created to die. Everybody's had people today that have, that they, that have gone on from this earth to heaven, heaven's a real place. And this earth that you and I live in, this earth as a result of sin, and the Bible, and we'll read some about this to a little bit more today and then next Sunday. This earth was not created to die and disintegrate. But everywhere you look, and the Bible says, the earth is groaning. Why? Because it's dying. The earth is dying. Because there's a new earth that will be created that will be like the original earth that wasn't to crumble and, and disintegrate. God made it that way. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, now we can have the victory, and even though, even though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is renewed day by day. Our focus isn't on the decaying if we're not afraid of decaying. Our focus is on the life. What can happen? I don't know. I don't know what the outcome can be. Can a person live 150 years on planet Earth? I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, there's there, uh, Guinness Book of World Records is, is uh, in, 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 in the church age is 168 years, I think, that somebody's lived. Somebody's lived 168 years. Can you live 168 years? If God gives you the desires of your heart and you want to live 168 years, you can live 168 years from what the Word says. But... What's decaying in the earth is the same process as we, as we read here in 1 Corinthians 15, the same process that the physical us are. Everybody, everybody take out this hand right here and say this after me. Say, and take your other hand and hit your hand. Hit it again. Say, say this after me. This is not me. Right? This is not me. This is not me. I'm spirit. I was created in the image of God. This body is what my spirit man lives in. And to live on planet earth, you've got to live in one of these. And <clears throat> I was watching a little clip of the, there's a mini-series or something about the O.J. Simpson trial. And I was, 
I was just seeing a little clip on it, and he had that glove on his hand. He had something else that he had put on it, and the glove didn't fit or whatever it was, you know. But I just happened to see that. And, and, I, and I thought to myself, <clears throat> life in this body and our spirit is like a hand and a glove. If I've got a glove on, that glove is moving as my hand moves. You take that glove off, lay it right here, there's no life in that. It's the same way with these, with these physical bodies. You take the real me out of this body, and this body is nothing. There's nothing to it. It's gone. It, and, and, and what I left, even though when I see Fabian, I see him based on his body. I, I recognize him because I see his face, which is connected to his body, right? So that's Fabian to me, but that's not the real Fabian. And when we leave, even though we've been identified to people and we have connections to people, that's not us. There's a real me on the inside. And that real me is what God wants to be alive and living today on planet earth. He wants me to be alive on the inside of, of this body. And he wants me to do what he created me to do. And he wants me to live this life and finish my course and my work. And if, it's, if that's 150 years or 200 years, then do whatever. But these bodies are decaying. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, 2 Corinthians 4 and 16, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is what? It's renewed day by day. Look at the fifth chapter in the first verse. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. One translation says, we, 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 urge, we, we desire to be clothed with our spiritual body from heaven. Our heavenly body, the, 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 the glorified, resurrected body that Jesus is in. That's the bodies that you and I are headed towards. And until that time, until that time, we are to occupy and to live by faith in God. Why? Because He's been resurrected from the dead. He's resurrected... And that means I'm alive, and what I'm alive on on the inside, who the real me is, is to live in this body, but live through this body to be what God created us to be. Though the outward is perishing, yet the inward is becoming stronger and stronger. But I tell you, if you and I are afraid of dying, if we're afraid of death, we won't live in the life of God. If a person is afraid to fly on an airplane, are they afraid of flying? Or are they afraid of dying? Yeah, you're afraid you're going to crash and die. If a person is afraid of a tornado coming, are they afraid of tornadoes? Or are they afraid of dying? And whoever told you to be afraid of flying? Whoever told you that a tornado could kill you? I know a lot of people that are afraid of spiders and snakes. You know, when I, when I was growing up in New Mexico, it was a state animal, should be the rattlesnake. <laughs> you know, they were everywhere. And I grew up on a golf course that had rattlesnakes everywhere. We'd be playing golf and We'd come up to a certain hole and you could just hear one under the lip of the sand trap. Hear that rattle going. 
And I mean, you know, nobody told us that a rattlesnake bite will kill you. But you know what somebody did tell me? Only good kind of snake is a dead one. So I didn't look at snakes like they're going to kill me. I'm after them. Hmm? So my nine iron was wedged just enough to where it, was, it had a good angle to just clip one of them heads off. So they'd be up under the lip of that trap and we'd, just, we'd take them, you know. And then we played games with them. Did I ever tell you the one about the rattlesnake and the water faucet? Huh? Anybody know that one? Okay, you don't know. There's a couple of people shaking their head, but just act like you know it. So we're on the golf course one day. This is free. I'm, uh, this has nothing to do with my message. This is just funny. So we're on the golf course one day, and we kill the rattler. And the, the, my dad's course, there was this hole that, the, for some reason, they put a water faucet in the rough. In the, in the, this is desert. So it's in the desert between these two holes. Not not a big distance between the two holes, but there was a little bit of desert. And they've, where, where the, where the uh, it wasn't the cart path, but it was just a, it was a maintenance road. And right next to the maintenance road was this water faucet. So people would play one hole and come down. If it was hot, you know, and they needed a drink, they'd stop at the water faucet. So one day, we killed this snake. And we took that snake and we wrapped it around this water faucet and stuck its head right there where the, where, the, where somebody was going to get a drink. And uh, I had to repent later on. But this older man, he had, a little, he had a little pull cart and he was pulling. He went up to that and he's looking at that thing and we hear this. Ah! And, he, and, and I, I mean, it was just his response. But it looked like, he looked like one of those cartoon characters running in fast motion. I mean, he left his clubs and everything, he just took off. Like that snake was going to follow him, but it was a dead snake, you know. But So anyway, I just thought that was funny. But I was taught the only good snake was a dead one. So I didn't really have a fear of snakes. But as time went on, and, you know, I mean, you can see a movie where uh, somebody gets bit by a snake and it kills them or, you know, the... Some snake, you know, is, you know, it's funny, things like that always have the upper hand to humans in movies, right? There's always an upper hand to it. And so I was, so over time, then I began to be cautious about it. But what the cautious is, is fear. And the fear is that the snake will take you out, that the snake will kill you. And you and I, we have nothing to fear. There's not anything in life that we were created to be afraid of. God hasn't given us fear, but what? Power, love, and a sound and a well-balanced mind. That's what God's given us. And the thing that I keep seeing is this, that if if we live our life in the Word and in faith in God, and we embrace the resurrection of Jesus Christ over anything and everything that is not of God. He defeated and destroyed that. Why? So we could live in the life of God now. We could live a fulfilling life, but teaching other people how not to be afraid. Because fear is the enemy that wants to destroy people's lives and keep them in bondage now. And really, in all actuality, the time in which we live on planet Earth is very short if you're talking God's time. There's a passage in uh, 2 Timothy, or no, 2 Peter, I think it is. 2 Peter 3. It says, a day is a thousand years. A day is like a thousand years to God. So, if, if we process that out, if a day is a thousand years and you lived on planet earth for a hundred years, then that hundred years is a couple hours. 
That hundred years is a couple hours in God's timetable. We think of days and weeks and months and years and how long, but, but, but it's not. It's, it's, it's short compared to eternity. And all I'm saying is, there's no reason for us to shorten our lives whatsoever. God wants us to live full lives until we're finished. Until we're finished from within. And the, and, but, but the only way you can live a full life until you're finished is to realize what His resurrection accomplished. And what His resurrection did is it defeated death. It defeated the fear of death. No more are we to be in bondage to fear or the fear of death or separation from God. We are connected with God forever. People that have left planet earth, they're not gone. They're not lost. They're over there. And in an hour or two hours or however long, we'll be with them there. They're not gone. They're just there. And we're here. And we'll all be over there one day. But we'll all be here also because there's a new heaven and a new earth that God is creating. And what His resurrection did was set us up to live in the fullness of God right now. We're not waiting to the other side to live in the fullness and live where the enemy is under our feet. This passage in 1 Corinthians 15 says that death is the last enemy. Look back there in 1 Corinthians 15. In verse 21. Verse 20 said, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man death came, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. So he died and then was resurrected. You and I will die and then we'll be resurrected. In what? Into the new glorified bodies that God created us to live in. But until then, we have the life of God in us to live in the fullness of what He put us here for. Listen, God doesn't want you so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Heaven is a real place. Say that with me. Heaven's a real place. It is a real place. This isn't a fairy tale. It's not that, you know, when, when we read the Word and we look at the Word, this isn't, this isn't make-believe kind of stuff. This is real. And we're here for a purpose. And God wants us to get the most out of every day. He wants us to get the most out of everything that we do every day, but not to fear the future. Not to fear death. Not to fear where we're going. Absence from this body is in the presence of God. Because He said so. Notice, He said, He said, but, but each one... In his own order, Christ, the firstfruits, after those who are Christ at his coming, then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, that's at the end of time, of this dispensation of time, when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Verse 26, and the last enemy that will be destroyed. It hasn't been destroyed. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. But like anything else, like anything else, death is destroyed to you and I by faith in His resurrection. Did you hear what I said? Death is destroyed to you and I. In other words, in other words, as, as Paul's going along here, as Paul's going through this whole chapter, he kind of as, as he gets toward the end of it, he kind of, you can tell there's an attitude in there towards death. Look at verse 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on 
incorruption and his, this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death. Where is your sting? Well, the first part of that is death is swallowed up in victory. And his attitude here is kind of like, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? It has none. Death and hell have no victory over somebody who is born again because they believe in the resurrection and they believe in what the resurrection has accomplished. And as a result of that, you and I have the ability to live life where there's no limitations. We're not limited to anything. We don't have to be afraid of where we're going. We don't have to be afraid of the rest of this life. God has given us the power to live victorious. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in every situation, in every circumstance, no matter what we face or what we're up against, He has already given us the victory. And I declare today that your and my victory is vital. It's vital that you're living in that place of victory. It's vital that you live in that place so that you can live in the life of God every day. Fear is knocking. Fear of death is knocking. All in, in, in so many different ways. So many different situations and, 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 and things that crop up every day to be afraid of death or to be afraid of separation from God. To be afraid that God won't do what He said He would do. Constantly. And that's why your and my responsibility is to stay in the Word and to live in the revelation of the resurrection. This time of year is, 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 to me, the greatest time for the church. Because this time of year is what the church is all about. I mean, it's, it's about the time that, that Christmas is centered around also. But this time of the resurrection is what the Scripture said. If there's no resurrection, then everything else we do is pff, toast. But if I live in the power of the, re- the, the revelation of the resurrection... If I live in that place, then I live on top and not underneath. I live victorious and not defeated. I live where my mind is clear instead of in fear. Wow, that rhymed. I'm a poet. And I know it. Amen? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Amen? Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory every day of our life. I'll tell you what, it'd be good for you every day to have that little saying in your mouth. No, no, no. Thanks be unto God who always gives me the victory. He gives me the victory. I want, I want, I'm, I've got two verses of Scripture that I'm trying to quote at the same time. Thanks be unto God who gives me the victory through Christ Jesus, right? In other words, through the resurrection, I have the victory. I am victorious because of the resurrection, and as a result of that, death has no dominion over me, no power to rule in my life. I don't have to be afraid of leaving. I don't have to be afraid of flying. I don't have to be afraid of heights. Why would you be afraid of heights? It's not, it's not being afraid of heights. It's the fear of falling and dying. Anybody ever been to the top of the Empire State Building? Two of us? Anybody? If you've been to the top of the Empire State Building, raise your hand. Okay, there's a few of us. It's pretty high, right? And what are some of the thoughts that come to a person's mind at the top as you're looking over? Hmm? There's a devil. Well, you better watch it. Somebody doesn't bump you and you might. I mean, there's a, you know, there's whatever, but I mean, you know, those, those thoughts. Huh? I heard somebody say one time, they were up there and they heard this voice, jump. Where'd that come from? And they turned back around, they said, you jump. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a devil out there, and he wants to destroy, right? And that fear is not the fear of heights. It's the fear of falling and dying. Hmm? But for the grace of God, and probably a legion of angels, if you fell off the Empire State Building, you would die. Your physical body wouldn't handle it but for the angels of God that would catch you. Right? But we don't have to be afraid of that. Because you're not stupid enough to jump. And nobody's going to push you off, and you don't have to be afraid of that. And you can go to the top and look out, and even if it grabs your stomach and you feel like you're going to throw up or whatever, sometimes to defeat fear... You do it by faith in God, and I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to the top, and I'm going to look over, and I'm going to do it even if I don't like it. Why? Because I'm not giving fear of, of dying control in my life. No matter what it is. One of the last things I just want to say today, and we'll pick this up next week, is that <clears throat> I believe that all fear all fear, well, I'm going to say it like this. Fear is the root to everything that's bad. It's the root. But all fear is rooted to death. Because of what happened in the garden. Sin entered, as we read earlier, and so death reigned. And death came as a result of one man, and liberty and victory came as a result of another man. And the fear of man, and you translate that out to anything that you deal with on a day-to-day basis, but the fear of man in any way is tied to the fear of death. I'm going to say it again. The fear of man in any way whether you're intimidated by man, you're intimidated by somebody, you think somebody's going to take, get the upper hand on you, you're jealous of somebody, you're, I, I don't care what it is. The fear of man in any way, thinking that somebody's going to do something to you, is the fear of death. And I'm going to explain to you how that is and how it controls most people. Okay. Some people are afraid of heights, some people are afraid of flying, some people are this or whatever, and you can overcome those things. But what about the fear of man? Jesus' resurrection empowered you and I to be moved by nobody. Nobody. Intimidated by nobody. Controlled in our thoughts by nobody. Anybody ever go on social media and you see something on social media that someone else did? that makes you feel less or intimidated or jealous or angry or frustrated and out of your mouth comes something about that person. It's a fear of death. It's, it's the fear of death ruling. Because what the resurrection produced was victory. And what victory produces is always a right attitude a right perspective on life in situations and dealing with people. And it always has, always has redemption in mind. Always. Resurrection produced redemption. And so, our resurrection was a result of how much God loved us. Right? And love always believes the best in people. It hopes the best. It endures through every situation, no matter what. It doesn't think about itself, but always thinks about the good of others, always. And when we don't do that, it's because there is pockets and control somewhat of the fear of death in our life. And God wants us delivered. There's no greater day like the day that we're living in to be liberated and free from the fear of death. And what gives us the power is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Without the resurrection, we have nothing. With the resurrection, we have it all. Amen? Say this after me. I can, I can 
do all things through Christ who is my strength. Settled every day. Every day. God wants you living in the fullness of every single day. Not tormented by anything. The fear of death brings torment. Anguish. Keeps us down and depressed and under. God wants you lifted up and high. God wants you happy because you want to be happy. He wants you to experience happiness from within you, not trying to make yourself happy and try to get over something. No, experiencing it from the resurrection. Thanks be unto God who gives me the victory through the resurrection of my Lord Jesus Christ. And I am victorious today. Come on, give God praise today in the name of Jesus. We are victorious already. Amen? Already. No more fear. No fear of death. Not afraid of anything. Because when I'm not afraid of dying, when I'm not afraid of death or separation, I can live in the fullness and focus on other people. That way I'm not protecting myself. You don't have to protect yourself. God's got your back. He's got your front. He's got your left and your right. He's got you already empowered from within. There's nothing that you and I can't accomplish. Fear will not have dominion over your life. Close your eyes just for a moment, and I'm, I'm stretching my hand towards you, and if you want agreement with me, just stretch your hand towards me. I'm going to pray over you right now. In the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Lord, oh, oh, I know this is right. We just read it. I know it's right. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in the resurrection. Death has no dominion, power, or authority whatsoever over our lives. And the fear of death, we are not subject to anymore from this day forward. I speak over every person at the sound of my voice as I, as I reach my hand towards each and every one of them. They are delivered from the fear of death, and they're translated into the power of the resurrection. Jesus Christ was resurrected on the third day. He walked the earth for some 40 days, and He ascended up on high, and He sat down at the right hand of the Father, and He said, It is finished. And I thank You, Lord, that finished work is working and is continuing to renew and develop the minds, the hearts, the spirit of each and every person quickening their mortal bodies, strengthening their mortal bodies today in the name of Jesus. Every person at the sound of my voice, and I declare by faith in your word that their best days are right here, right now, and before them, out ahead of them. Their best days are here right now and beyond. Their best days because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we give you the glory and the praise today. And if you believe that and you receive that, you say amen and amen and amen. Come on.